Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Yes, the Women in Tech podcast Puma Collection is now live and available at shop.womenintechshow.com. That's shop.womenintechshow.com. Make sure to send us a confirmation of your order because we have something extra special, a little surprise for you. Reach out to us on any of the social handles at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and we will make sure to get you the extra special surprise. The hoodies and fleeces are so sick. You guys voted on them, decided which ones we should roll with, and I absolutely love it. Check out the photos that we have on the site, shop.womenintechshow.com. That's shop.womenintechshow.com. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. This is Heather Rivera at Google on the YouTube team, working on partnerships across all our products, including YouTube TV, based in New York. I think it's been with me since I was really little. I mean, my mom's a teacher and my dad is a football player turned lawyer. And so I think (laughs) that's wild. (laughs) Part of it was, you know, getting really from the very early ages, just asking a lot of questions and having parents who are willing to entertain those questions and who are willing to ask you the next set of questions to make you think about, you know, how you should be thinking about things on your own. I was actually just having a conversation with my mom this morning about how I think one of the most important things in early education is that kids aren't taught so much to memorize a set of facts, especially at a time when you know, there's there's so much information in the world that you have to make sense of on your own. You need to be able to taught how to think about things. And so I think it was it comes from that drive to really think about things for myself that I just wanted to really explore and understand what was around me. When you took the opportunity at the startup, the things that you learned in that life experience, would you say you were able to apply those learnings to your role now at YouTube later and to future you? I do, because I think the role I took at the startup was essentially to be the right hand man or woman to the CEO and to help him with a go to market strategy for the technology that they had developed. And I think one of the key things that I did there was that really taught me about why I had a passion for technology is because I realized I needed to serve as a translator between 
the engineering side and what they were building and developing and the business side and why what they were building or developing mattered. And part of my upbringing has been a strong focus on language. I grew up in New Orleans and it's really a melting pot of different cultures and languages. And so French is a language I started studying at a very early age, like five. And so for me, languages, I've always been passionate about languages. And I felt like technology was like another language that I just was learning to speak. And for me, that was really interesting. Talk to us about the journey going from startup. What happened after you worked at that startup? Where did you evolve into after that position? So what happened after that startup is I went back for my second and final year of business school and had to think at that point what I wanted to do next. I had received an offer and declined it on the consulting side. So I felt like done, that chapter closed. Now I knew I wanted to focus on technology, but I wasn't totally sure I wanted to rule out the finance aspect of things. So I looked into venture capital and thought about, well, what if I were to invest in technology companies? And through that very long interview process, anybody who's been around venture capital knows that it's not a type of process that completes quickly. I was able to, in parallel, interview with other companies that were interesting. And so I remember one day Google sent its troop of people onto campus and I thought, wow, those people, they, they look really interesting. They seem really nice and really enthusiastic about what they're doing. You know, it's a big company because to me, compared to the size of companies that I thought I was looking at, it seemed big even back then. But I said, you know, I might as well just interview. And so I interviewed and got through the process and met so many great people through that. But I wasn't actually ready to accept the offer because I still had the venture capital coals in the fire. So I declined them. But I said, well, do you have any other positions? Because I feel like this one wasn't right for me, but I loved the people that I spoke to. So what else? And I actually went through that process with Google three times as I continued the venture capital process and ended up with offers at both and didn't make up my mind until I finally got to basically the graduation timeframe. And what really nailed it for me was two things. Number one, the person at Google told me who was going to be my manager made a real commitment and said, I'm, you know, I'm going to invest in you and your career. And that's really important. And, you know, you should come work for me. And then number two was, I thought about, well, how can I actually be successful investing in technology companies if the only technology company I've ever worked at was a period of weeks over the summer you know, at a startup? So I felt like Google would be a great platform to go and understand technology. And then from there, I could go into venture capital. Hi, this is Amuya Reynolds. I lead engineering at Superhuman. At Superhuman, we're building the fastest email experience in the world. I'm based out of Oakland, California, where it's extremely sunny. It took a long time. I, I won't say that, you know, the, the end of that semester, uh, I was over the hump. Computer science for me in college was extremely hard the entire time. And I always uh, felt like I was behind. I felt like everyone around me had exposure to it and, and knew what it was coming into it. It's one of those it's a little bit odd of a field, and especially then, uh, it was a little bit odd of a field because I think people don't just jump into it. It seems inaccessible. And so it felt that way even being a part of it. There were just some things about it that I absolutely loved, though. I like the idea of building things. Our first project was Tetris, or, you know, it had a lot of, a lot of scaffoldings. We weren't really making Tetris, but it felt like I was making Tetris. And right. just... The idea of being able to make a game, uh, it blew my mind. So what, what I was able to accomplish, but also the actual problem solving and kind of stepping through and trying to figure out these things that seem so challenging. For me, that was what a lot of the excitement was. I'm dying to know, you stayed in this seat. Like you saw this 
this computer and you walked into an environment that was completely foreign to you and you felt overwhelmed and you're feeling like everybody else knows what to do and you don't, Mm -hmm. you stayed there. And that's a really big deal. (laughs) Like you keep passing over it, but (laughs) you made a choice to, to stay there. What was your mindset? How did you stay there and rise to the challenge? How did you even have the desire to rise to the challenge? That's a hard question. Um, I think some of it was I was surrounded by these kinds of moments of stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm from Wisconsin, uh, and I went to school in Rhode Island. I'd never been to Rhode Island. I hadn't ever known anyone who'd been to Rhode Island. So I just moved into this place, this dorm away from my family, halfway across the country, didn't really know much about college. I didn't know anything about computer science. So it was just one experience after another. And I think at some point for me, the choice was either sort of wither under all these new experiences or or relish in the fact that, you know, it was a huge opportunity uh, to see these kinds of things. I think I just sort of saw the opportunity there and saw how amazing that chance was. I, I don't know. I think I like a challenge. So I think it's another part of it. So looking around thinking everyone else seems to know what to do. I, I don't it, like, do they, how would they know what to do? It was kind of like, okay, well, if everyone else knows what to do, like I can figure it out. I think that's an important life moment. I think it's something that we forget really often that we make these, at least I do. I'm not going to speak for everybody. I, I can't stand it when people say we like, okay, I sometimes make assumptions that the rest of the world has everything figured out and I'm the only one lost. And I think that for me, I'll just speak for myself, that is really troublesome to make assumptions, like you said. It's way more empowering to just ask myself, am I willing to rise to the occasion and believe that I'm capable enough to do so? Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I I didn't have that level of awareness, you know, at that age. And I think for me, there's been these points in my career, lots of these points where, including going back to school, where I I, I thought I would get to this, this, this place. And, and once I was there, it's like, well, everyone must have it figured out. And I think along the way, I've sort of realized what you said. It's like, a lot of the times people don't have it figured out. (laughs) I use this joke at work. It's like one of my coworkers asked me, you know, what's my truism? What's the one thing I believe to be true about the world? And I I told them, it's like, everyone is winging it all the time. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Oh my God. I was just about to say that about like being an entrepreneur. If there's any lesson that I am becoming more and more exposed to the longer that I'm an entrepreneur is no one knows anything. (laughs) Like not even the most seasoned people. Like Even Richard Branson right now is dealing with epic stuff that he has to like figure out how to solve and he's not quite sure which way is right or wrong. Uh, My name is Bianca and I am Biadev on Instagram. I am a front-end developer. I am based on Amsterdam, on the Netherlands. When I first had my contact with uh, HTML and CSS, it was pretty basic. And uh, on school, it wasn't enough. So because I was so curious about that, I went to learn myself. So I started to watch a lot of videos on YouTube, and I started to make some projects on that too. And then I found a guy, an instructor on YouTube who was really good and it was offering his course also in Udemy uh, because in Udemy it was more complete. So I went to Udemy 
and I'm there now for like forever. When I wanted to get educated on something, it's YouTube and Udemy mostly. It's so interesting how important it is to make aware of the resources that exist of the online education so that we can know to access it. Where did you say that you found the Udemy course? Like, how did you discover Udemy? I discovered with Udemy uh, via this instructor on YouTube. So I was following his course. But what he did was to put the basic course on uh, YouTube. And if you wanted to go through the rest of the course or to get it more advanced, then you go to Udemy. Let's fast forward to now in your career. Like all started with a YouTube video and then a Udemy course, and now you're doing it professionally. What did that look like when you first had the opportunity to do it professionally? Um, now I, I knew the basics, of course. I didn't know a lot. And I learned it actually a lot by doing, and I had really a lot of uh, support from people who were there already. He teach me a lot, to be honest. And if I compare with what I know now, it's amount of things I learned in one and a half years is really a lot. And yeah. How did you find that first work opportunity? It was actually on Instagram. Look at that on Instagram. (laughs) Yes, it was actually on Instagram because uh, when I was uh, pregnant of my uh, baby boy, uh, I got fired where I was working. And then I decided, okay, now I started to make a career. So I started to study a lot to become a front-end engineer but I wasn't sure if it wasn't for me yet. So I was between that and marketing. So what I did, I went to search for some people who wanted like a website or they wanted me to uh, make their social media su- uh, a success uh, for free. So I could build a portfolio and then I started to show the portfolio on Instagram. And then in one of those portfolio, I used a hashtag of the place where I live. And my boss found me there and contacted me through LinkedIn. And that was uh, how I found actually my first job. It's so interesting. So through hashtags and Instagram and the content you're creating, someone reached out. That's crazy. And is that the company that you're still with today? Yes, this is still the same company. And what about the culture in the company attracts you to working for that company? Well, the company is a startup. So what I love the most about that is that there is a hierarchy, but there isn't like I am the boss and you have to do what I do. My boss is actually a leader and he powers me to, you know, do my best to and work side to side. And that's what I love the most about the company. And I love to ask everybody this question. What's one huge obstacle you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? If I wanted to work here in the Netherlands, I'm not really in uh, the the most high or how can I explain it? I'm not in the most favorite groups. I am a woman and I am uh, someone who doesn't speak it the language perfectly. I can speak Dutch fluently. Doesn't mean that I can speak it perfect though. 
I am always the one who everyone looks and say, yeah, you cannot do it. Forget it. It's not possible. You see, if you want to find a job, you have to have a, a diploma and you have to have a degree and you don't have a degree. So why do you think you would find a job? Because if you, we Dutch cannot find a job without a degree, you, foreigner, won't find it too. You don't even speak the language perfectly. Well, I did. I found a job. I not only found the job, but I also grew pretty fast in the job. I started actually as a front-end developer, but to be honest, I am also I also do some back-end development. And on top of that, I am also an IT pro- project manager. So, you know, it goes so fast why everybody looks at me and say, you cannot do it. I think it's the, the biggest obstacle that I overcame in my journey as a front-end developer. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Community spotlight coordination by Anna Freeberg. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.